Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Philip Fury, and we're going to explore the metaverse. You know, if you're interested in learning from someone who's working with some really fascinating people in the world of Hollywood and is on the front line of a lot of great metaverse projects, I think you're going to really enjoy what we talk about today. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Philip Fury. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Philip Fury Wainwright. If you don't know who he is, he's a metaverse strategist and architect. He's the lead technician at Mobile Motion MoCap, a company that helps studios and creators execute their metaverse experiences. He's also the founder of Change FT, a business focused on onboarding instructors into Web3. Fury, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. I'm super excited that I got a chance to meet you in Los Angeles. Today, Fury and I are going to explore getting started in the metaverse. But before we go there, I would love to hear your story. How did you get into the metaverse? Start wherever you want to go. Take us there. <laughs> wherever I want to go. Bad decision. And be sure, and for those that are watching the the video version of this, you should probably describe what's on the screen behind you too. Okay, so what's behind me, I guess I should start there, is a commercial that my organization Mobile Motion MoCap did for the Super Bowl. We designed a metaverse replica out of the game Fortnite for Verizon Wireless in order for audience to understand what Verizon is going to provide for metaverse optimized organizations and creators, experienced searchers, seekers, people who are already there. And so this was kind of a first public display of what our organization was doing in the metaverse. Man, where did I get started with Metaverse? Just verbally describe what's going on in this image for those that are listening to the podcast. What you see here is Samuel L. Jackson standing on top of a platform uh, designed like the video game Fortnite that is an incredible example of what a Metaverse is and can be. And he's orating to the gamers, to the crowd uh, in this commercial is for the Super Bowl. And it was a whole lot of fun getting to work with him. He's incredible on set and as a person. Very cool. One of my favorite actors. All right. So roll back the clock a little bit. Let's talk about how the heck you got into this space. Okay. Well, I'm really going to roll it back. I'm really going to roll it back. My mother somewhere, uh, she holds this dear, very dear to her heart, has a photo somewhere of, I think, seven-year-old me 
with a headset on, a Walkman on, listening to the Pokemon, the movie soundtrack, while playing Pokemon on my Game Boy, while watching Pokemon, the VHS movie, on the television. So if you ask someone like me, the metaverse is not new. Some of us have been plugged into it immersively for quite some time, <laughs> about 25 years now. And um, it, I guess to add on to that, the metaverse as a as a term was coined by a man who wrote a book called Snow Crash. I mean, that's something that people don't know often. But my first interaction with the metaverse, I guess, was coming back in 2016, 2017, as it is known now. I was working with some groups who are doing virtual performances, and we uh, created an interconnected live music jam back in 2016, 2017 with some touring musicians, Michael Jackson's drummer, Bieber's musicians, Selena Gomez's keyboardist. We had just like tops of tops in the metaverse to, to play. My interaction with that world was selling motion capture suits. At the time, I was a person putting inertial sensors all over my body and running around Los Angeles, knocking on the doors of Disney Imagineers and people who worked for Lucasfilms and just anyone that I could get the attention of and say, hey, look at me in this suit. The animation that you work on for your movies and video games, it takes you six months. You can do right here live and you can do it in a single day. And they go, great, how much is the suit? And I'd say $1,000. They go, how well does it work? And? <laughs> <laughs> Back then, it didn't work that well. So you just had to be a great salesman. So sales is ultimately how I got into the metaverse professionally. I was always just an avid fan of multiple realities. Very cool. And you and I met at NFTLA at an event that Scott Page, I think, was part of, which was kind of a music experience. And you've been in the LA scene for a while. And, you know, you've also got this change FT thing. So talk to me a little bit about how these all these things are, have interconnected for you. Copy that. Copy that. And, you know, it is uh, it's rather serendipitous that we met at that event where Scott was. <laughs> and so Scott actually used to come to the location where I was throwing these music events and he was there rather often. I had no idea who he was at the time, too. I was I was green. <laughs> I was green. Let's see. So changeft.com uh, is the culmination of all the things that I do after I realized that uh, the coming onslaught of technology that's going to be offered to the average consumer offers more opportunity and sovereignty than it, uh, we had before. Um, to put things into perspective, my early professional entertainment interactions were centered around physical performances creating circus shows, uh, being a world champion ballroom competitor, things like that. I was a professional performer. But in the performance world, it's actually impossible to own your own movement. Very few people have ever been able to take a lawsuit to court over movement ownership and IP. So that's something that was not available to me, being able to own my own legacy, even as a world champion ballroom competitor. So I was seeking ways to find sovereignty as a business as a as myself i sell my movement i sell my content and that is something that was unavailable to me so i started studying what ways i could monetize movement and i discovered that it could all be encapsulated inside of something called mm -hmm. an nft unbeknownst to me i already had a variety of nfts i had purchased them just because i thought they were interesting digital investments. They could go up, they could go down, who knows? I didn't know much at the time. And like I said, I didn't know what an NFT was yet. This was back in 2017, 2018. 
And I had discovered that I could package my movement, everything that I sell, um, my IP as a performer. I now sell my own earrings so that I make a jewelry for myself. I'm instructing people on metaverse content creation and immersive experiences, and I am creating and selling uh, immersive experiences in the metaverse as well. So I needed one vehicle that could not only communicate this varied message in one go, but also facilitate all the things that I do without being too scatterbrained, too spread apart. And so changeft.com is the utilization of Web3 principles and uh, technologies on blockchain in order to offer all of these things and keep my audience focused and cohesive. So just so I can summarize a little bit of what I'm hearing you say, you are a performer, a dancer. You work with famous people when you're doing motion capture work. You kind of are familiar with the LA scene, which is full of all sorts of different artists, right? You've got dancers, musicians, uh, and probably all actors and all this kind of stuff. Just yesterday, I had Paul Oakenfold in a concert or in the volume that we were doing his Metaverse concert. So bring us up to the present a little bit. So yeah, tell me more. You're doing Metaverse concerts. Like, what are you doing? How are all these experiences coming together for you? Because you've got this background, right? Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, I can use yesterday as a kind of a tipping point for that to get into it. I had someone grant me a little bit more power in this project than I realized I would have. I've got almost complete creative freedom. And it made me realize that my performance background is actually lending me more insight and experience into designing these immersive experiences than most people have. Having had to design an immersive circus space in my past multiple times makes it easy to design an immersive 3D space for me. I have more freedom and more power in a 3D world, uh, being able to drag and drop a $100,000 couch into every corner of a room just because I feel like it and the performers as well. I know how to design them, how to move them around. So what is going on in mobile motion? We are being asked to create lots of virtual concerts and metaverse performances. Just this year alone, we've done Justin Bieber, Harry Styles, just did Paul Oakenfold, have some other names on the docket as well that are coming along, working with perfectoverse.com for Paul Oakenfold. They're designing out all kinds of experiences. It's going to be great. We are also getting asked to do lots and lots of games. Uh, so virtual concerts and metaverse shows, video games, whether they are on blockchain and cryptocurrency or not. We do have video game NFT clients that are coming in and asking us to design a variety of things for them, as well as I would say traditionally B2B groups who are asking just for personalities, AI-driven uh, movement, they want to understand how to represent themselves in 3D in the metaverse, and we facilitate that. So um, we're creating out in different directions. Shows, games are heavy, and I would say personalities uh, are heavy as well. And one thing I just said that I think is a little bit of a misnomer, I just said that metaverses are all 3D spaces, and I don't actually believe that. Well, okay, let's get to that. Let's pause that for a second, because we're going to define what metaverses are in just a second. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> this needs to happen. Yeah. But first, we've had a couple of different episodes uh, covering the metaverse. For example, we recently had Kathy Hackle on, who's known as the godmother of the metaverse, and she has a unique perspective. And, and I can't wait to hear your perspective. But first, I want to ask this question. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening right now, whether they be marketers or entrepreneurs or creators, that are like a little skeptical about the metaverse. It feels so far away. And 
what I would love you to do is tell them why you think they ought to focus on it. What's the advantage to businesses to get into the metaverse in some capacity? So we'll start with the why before we define what. The why for businesses is opportunity. I'm sure if businesses are acting why, they're probably already feeling a little bit of the fear of missing out, the FOMO that is happening. The upside that is already here for the metaverse, uh, for B2B and B2B businesses, or B2B and B2C businesses, uh, is, is already ready. It's already apparent to you, it's already available. You will have more success providing Web3 and metaverse tools to businesses currently than you will being a business to consumer. If you're getting into the metaverse, if you already know how to sell and monetize 3D assets, then you can get in very quickly. Just to give a top-down perspective, I think it's something like $5 trillion is supposed to be the expected market cap for the metaverse in the next three years. I mean, 75% of, I think, adults have made some sort of public decision, whether they reported on some statistical website, they reported something at work, or they have already purchased something. But 75% of first world country adults have already indicated they're interested in the metaverse in some way. I think that was on Statista at some point in time recently. So for businesses, the financial possibilities are already here. It is going to take research or hiring on someone with expertise. And yeah, what is what is coming is an absolute tidal wave of opportunity for businesses and consumers alike. Do you believe that the reason why something is coming is because we've got major companies that are working on some of this technology that's about to be released? So, or, or has it gotten to the point where it's so easy now that you don't even need, I mean, like, I think one of the big questions that goes through my mind is, you know, when, when are the masses going to be coming to the metaverse, right? Because when, when the masses are there, the businesses will be there, I would imagine. Right. But I would imagine, and again, this comes down to the next question, which is the definition of the metaverse. But, but I would imagine that it's not yet like we've heard rumors that Apple might be working on something and maybe you know something and you can't say something i don't know you're smiling (laughs) but i would imagine some big companies are going to be putting their power behind this and maybe we should talk about that a little bit do you believe a lot of the big humongous companies of the world are are moving in this direction and this is a reason we also might want to pay attention talking about the apples of the world the googles of the world that kind of stuff yes i do i wholeheartedly agree I think that, A, in the first place, progress cannot be stopped. If um, something is good for the world, then it's going to happen. It's definitely coming a lot faster because a lot of the giants are facilitating it. And a good example is when uh, the Eastern Hemisphere discovered the New World, when they discovered the West, um, entire new continent. Everyone had heard about it, but no one knew how to get there. <laughs> so they had to wait till the giants could actually get them there. And that's what we're doing now. It's, everyone's heard about the metaverse. Okay. There's gold there, right? Yeah. How do I get there? Well, a lot of us have to wait till now Meta, Facebook, you know, create a headset that will allow us to access most of the places we like to go now in the internet. But uh, a variety of individuals, the the creators, <laughs> the DGens, they are diving in and they're already familiar with uh, a lot of the people who have been giants. And so just to kind of name a few, the existing metaverse companies that you've probably heard of and may have questions about Sandbox, Decentraland, Roblox, and then Linden Labs as well. Uh, They created a 
a program called Second Life. And that was probably known as the first public social metaverse. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> Second Life was fun. It was truthfully when you got defined as a nerd for me anyway. It was like, hey, I have a, a second life. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I mean, I'll just a little story on Second Life. Back in 2009, I started Social Media Examiner. And Gary Vaynerchuk was one of the first, was my opening keynote for this online event we had. We were one of the very first really businesses that did online conferences in, in 09. And this guy that owned a private island, quote unquote, in Second Life, he had the party, the after party was in Second Life, you know? And that was like so, so crazy. You know, you could fly around and all this craziness for people that haven't been around. But yes, I mean, like, obviously, so is Linden Labs still in the game? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Linden Labs is still in the game. They are still doing things. I connected with them through a program called Sansar that Intel had backed, I think, back in 2018 or 2019. And I got to interact with some of them. They're great people. And I think they're doing some things very quietly with some blockchain groups right now. So there's a lot of businesses that have been developing. There's a lot of creators that are going in this. There's the beginning of a movement obviously going on. Which now brings us to the logical next question, which is, all right, well, if if we believe that there's something happening here and we believe that we want to be pioneers, if you will, or early adopters of this new frontier, which is called the metaverse, um, we ought to define what the heck it is. So from your perspective, what is the metaverse? Because it seems like everybody has a different definition. I would love to hear yours. Interconnected virtual space. Okay. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Not really, but I, I we have to. <laughs> I really do wish the definition could stay as simple as possible because there is going to be so much variance created over the next decade. I, I don't think a definition now will probably adequately describe uh, a metaverse in 10 years, but a shared virtual space that people, users, can access on an internet. Couldn't you say that that's what a Facebook group is or a Slack chat? Exactly. Okay. That is exactly why I would say they are so similar. Okay. Because in a Slack chat, I can link you my Facebook page. I can link you my World of Warcraft or Call of Duty account. And then suddenly we are within the same bubble, all present to different worlds, different universes, different companies, different potentially currencies that we're using to exchange, trade, and communicate. Okay, so what differentiates the kinds of things we've been talking about with Slack, Facebook groups, forums, you know what I mean? Like, let's let's add some layers to that, right? Because obviously, that's confusing to people if that's what a metaverse is, and I've been in one all along, right? <laughs> Lots of them, right? right. <laughs> There's clearly some extra nuances that you're working on specifically. Like, what are those extra nuances that make it maybe labeled something other than a social connection or social platform the most important nuance I'd, I'd say that is becoming a differentiator is the level of immersion we are used to viewing our entertainment through a window or a screen and while you can still access metaverses on the internet they are being designed with the understanding that very soon you will be inside of the experience they created and not watching it on a screen while not everyone has a headset yet, the companies that are at the forefront of creating metaverses, designing and preparing to sell to consumers are in full awareness that within the next five years, half of their digital customers will have a headset of some sort. 
and will be using the metaverse. So that's the first biggest differentiator. They are creating experiences all the way around you instead of just on a screen. And that's they're referring to that as immersion. So immersion is like what I when I put on my Oculus and I play this Star Wars game that I've got and I <laughs> I layer off a section of my house so I can roam freely in it. I mean, that's essentially what we're talking about, right? Yeah, you're killing my friends over and over again all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> were you involved with that project at all or no? I regularly get training from the two leads of, of that game. Oh, cool. <laughs> but it also sounds a little bit like video games, right? Because like with a screen, whether it's your phone or your television or your monitor, you know, you've got a character who's wandering around and that feels a lot like what we've known for decades as just video games, right? With characters that can do things, right? It seems like there's a, um, the character is you, though. That's maybe the distinguishing factor between a game, I would imagine, in the metaverse, because you become the characters. Am I onto something here? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The psychological term that comes to describe this phenomenon, what we're trying to understand here, is agency. Having designed immersive theatrical experiences, I've created agency in a variety of ways. Agency is when you give a user the ability to interact and respond to themselves, respond to their own actions. Cause and effect is responding to your own action. If I throw a ball into a theater show, it might hit one of the performers. I had agency there. It may not be something you wanted to do, but it is something you can do. In a video game, you have agency within a set number of parameters. Um, you may not be able to leave the video game level. You might be stuck inside of a box. You probably can't trade outside of a traditional video game and in a, most of metaverse experiences they're trying to give you lots of agency they want you to be able to interact with things the same way you would in a video game they want you to be able to exceed the opportunities in a video game and be able to trade outside of that one little box on most metaverses you can interact with either traditional currency or a cryptocurrency you can trade your assets for that currency and then you can trade outside of that box. So agency is, I would say, probably the second biggest differentiator. And then the third, the thing that is becoming confusing is whether or not you can leave that box. In an older video game, let's say take Pokemon from the 90s, you know, the same thing I was playing on my Game Boy. It was a tiny Game Boy about that big. The cartridge was not connected to the internet. I could not trade outside of that box. That was closed. Something like Linden Labs adding the dollar to their metaverses means that you can now buy and sell chairs and couches inside of Linden Labs metaverse, but then you can take those dollars and interact in the real world. On Sandbox, they have their own currency called Sand. You can sell an asset, download it, get cryptocurrency. Then you can use that currency to either go towards a dollar begin using it the ways you already do. Or if you would like to interact with the Web3 community using that cryptocurrency, it's very good for that as well. I'm starting to wrap my head around it a little bit. So it seems to me like Roblox is probably like one of the better examples of a metaverse, right? Because like my kid used to play it. She would ask me to buy more of their currency, which I think they called Robux. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and but I don't think you could leave the Roblox. That's the only thing. I think everything that's built in Roblox kind of stays in Roblox. Is that a fair assessment? Or have they gotten to the point where you can actually trade assets outside of the Roblox. I mean, it sounds like this is really the key question. Like some of these metaverses, like you said, you stay in, in that metaverse 
you can't switch between metaverses. Is this kind of where things are eventually going to be going? Like I'll eventually be able to take my sandbox character over to Roblox or Decentraland. I mean, is that kind of where we're going with this leaving the box kind of concept? It is. It is. It is. And, you know, kind of a funny reason that the name chosen was Sandbox, because it's true. Once you create an asset in one world, if they have created that world with a cryptocurrency, let's take Sandbox has their own, your assets must be on that cryptocurrency unless you leave their world and use a marketplace that can exchange your crypto. In the future, we will have wormholes, portals, bridges, they all pretty much do the same thing, but they are being given the same name that will create interoperability. That is a buzzword you're going to hear a lot. It basically just means that in the same way we can exchange a dollar for yen for a dinar if we want to now, we will be able to do that across platforms, across metaverses uh, very soon, probably in the next three to five years. Once that happens, we won't just be trading currencies, we'll be trading assets, We'll be trading entire game worlds, entire metaverse worlds. There's a group I'm working with that has created NFT teams that are replicas of actual sports teams and actual players own themselves in this game. They'll be trading themselves and making, I mean, yeah, that stuff is going to go wild. (laughs) Very cool. So I guess my next question is you build things. It seems like you and the company that you work for build things inside the metaverse. And we kind of talked a little bit about this. Maybe we tease this a little bit, but some of these metaverses seem to be closed systems. Some seem to be open systems. If a business that's listening right now wants to build something inside the metaverse, should they be careful about where they build? What are your thoughts on that? You understand where I'm going with that? Because we don't want to be stuck, if you will, having built in a system that maybe over time has less users and is a closed system versus an open system. Talk to me a little bit about about those kinds of things and whether we need to worry about those kinds of things. Yes, yes, yes. I would equate the open versus closed metaverse conversation to investing in energy. If you've gone a direction that is going to continue progressing, you know that your investments have potential to, to play out the way you want them to. In the same way, we think that way about tech businesses, uh, stocks, Uh, We can do the same with this kind of open versus closed metaverse idea. With a closed metaverse, you know that the company has more control. It's more centralized. They will be able to design their progress better than an open group would. An open metaverse group often wants their users to feel freedom. So they'll try to use a lot of open source concepts, if not open sourcing the code itself. So you have these two different mindsets, the open versus closed. The closed group will operate much more like a traditional business. They are they are going for revenue and they can control that. Uh, the open group is going for user freedom and creativity. So they have less control. The open groups are aiming for interoperability from the get-go. They want as much interaction as possible, but it's harder to protect that. It's harder to protect your own code in your users, there's uh, more security risks there, but those assets can typically be traded quicker. A good example would be stock exchanges and cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, the older exchanges that have more centralized control, they know they can protect their user base. The newer exchanges that get those brand new cryptocurrencies quickly, they're kind of dangerous to use. They're not protected as well, and you, you don't honestly know much about those new cryptocurrencies. So the metaverse idea is is similar. 
the the more established groups are going to protect their users because they have a name, they have a legacy they want to protect. Additionally, I think closed metaverse groups have a, a bubble that they can protect for their users. A popular video game is a, is a great example. Let's take something like Call of Duty or World of Warcraft. The users know how far inside this bubble they can expand and they've seen the limits of it they and they love it they love what they've seen as possible so they want to expand to the very limits of that bubble and utilize that currency they want to go absolutely bonkers inside of world of warcraft inside of call of duty spending money on guns different outfits for their character to wear and different ways to paint their jeep <laughs> and in call of duty there's a limited number of ways to do that now, in one of these open metaverses, they might allow users to paint the Jeep whatever colors they feel like, whereas in Call of Duty, you have to purchase a paint set for your Jeep. And so that's another example of how some of these things might be open versus closed. For the business, that means you have to think about where your assets are going to survive. Will the group that can protect you survive longer, or will the group that is trying to be more nimble survive longer? And Truthfully, I think it's going to come down to your business type and who your clients are. Are you B2C? Are you B2B? And uh, where are your assets going to live? This is fascinating. What are some examples of closed metaverse systems that businesses might want to pay attention to versus open? Because what I hear you say is that like the benefit of closed is there's control and there's focus and there's restrictions that sometimes, sometimes bring interesting creativity. But on the flip side, in a completely open system, there is 100% freedom. It's like uh, pulling up a Photoshop with a blank canvas and you can build anything you can imagine, right? So yes. there might even be more creativity over in the open systems, but there also might be a little bit more chaos. But I can, I can look at like open source concepts that have like, you know, open source software has kind of won the day. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, the internet is just like a big open source piece of software, right? Like HTML, you know, and, and all these other things has led to the massive expansion of the internet as we know it, right? Very true. Apple operating system is built on Linux, which is an open system. Open source. You know, what are some <laughs> of those closed ecosystems in the metaverse that maybe everyone seems to be focused on? And then what are some of the emerging open ones that you think might have promise? I think... One big one that people should definitely look at is called Axie Infinity. Uh, this is a closed system that, similar to Sandbox and Decentraland, also another one, focused on land sales for revenue and then player versus player interactions. And this allowed people to engage in a culture that was similar. I guess you could say it was similar to Pokemon. You have a, a tiny, cute little character that you can interact with on the plot of land that you've purchased. And then once you've manipulated that plot of land that you've purchased, you can go and interface with other players. And that became very popular. Man, an open, I don't think we've seen an open sourced version of that yet, but that would be very interesting. That would be like being able to use Pokemon Go at the Walmart to buy a water bottle. That'd be amazing. Let's see. I think a, another one that is, lesser known is binary x and this is something that is, is this open or closed this is closed but i know less about this one i'll be honest it's newer and has risen very very quickly to the top of the revenue stats 
also on a land sales model. And so that's that's becoming the the go-to model for closed systems, I think, is um, once people know that your world is around and what they can do within it, ensuring that they know that they can monetize and re-monetize land by selling it. And if they have asset systems designed on that land, they can continue to accrue revenue passively. Just out of curiosity, what are the systems that you worked on? Is it mostly decentralized land and sandbox? Is that the kind of platforms that you see most of the development going into these days? I would say the development is shifting. Uh, for myself, I did the majority of my creative work actually in Superworld AR. I am also a huge proponent of augmented reality versus virtual reality. And to answer where the development work is going, I think we are starting to see a shift from VR focus to AR focus. The difference between VR and AR. Oh, hey, perfect. Bing. <laughs> Tell everybody what you what you just for those that didn't see that on the audio. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is a mug that I got from actually, yeah, the 2017 streaming music show that we did. And on the mug is a person actually wearing a headset that says AR VR. This was a gift from one of my partners at the time, who was an investor in oh my gosh, the Vive headset. Okay, cool. The original, yeah, Vive VR headset. So AR obviously is, I think I'm with you on AR. I think it's exciting because everybody who has a phone can experience AR because there's a camera on it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I don't think I actually did the definition. VR is wrapped around you. You are inside of a virtual world and you cannot see the real life physical world anymore. Augmented reality, we take snippets of a virtual world and put them in front of you while the real world is still behind it. So in AR, you can still see your friends. You can still walk around your house. In VR, you have a headset on and you can't see the actual world. AR is a lot of fun because you can interact with things that aren't actually in your field of view, but you can, through the use of a phone or an AR headset, make it look like you're touching with them, interacting with them, shooting starfighters in the sky or anything like that. So you mentioned Superworld. I would imagine that is a closed system, not an open system. Is that fair to say? It is closed in its current understanding. Superworld originally attracted my attention because I could upload assets into it. As someone who is already working with 3D content, uh, that was very interesting for me. So I would say Superworld's open in that in that they allow you to bring other assets in. A traditionally closed mindset. They operated on land sales. They use Ethereum, and they don't provide you an in-house marketplace for you to trade outside of Ethereum. So. It is, uh, by the definition we just laid out, closed. But for myself as a creator, I absolutely love the idea that I can bring in assets. Uh, Superworld focuses on AR in the real world, being able to own plots of land on the Google Maps API. Uh, so you have a copy of Google Maps where you are purchasing plots of land. I immediately saw that and thought, well, people currently monetize plots of land for all kinds of things in the real world. Uh, one of the things that is easiest to monetize without using too much real estate is signage, advertising. So I purchased some of the most valuable advertising locations in Los Angeles. And that, those are my first NFT purchases. Very cool. So any open metaverse projects that are worth paying attention to that you've got your eyes on? Not really that I have my eyes on. I'll be, I'll be honest. I've looked at a lot. Spatial, Illuvium, they really do a lot with creatorship. 
Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about spatial. Do you, do you know what they are? Because it seems like it's, can you describe that a little bit? They are an AR platform. Uh, you can design a small world there. In the 3D community, we typically call that a sim, just a simulation, a game world. The popular term is that's a metaverse. Someone will say, I have my own metaverse. So in, I'm sorry, in spatial, you can design your own, uh, you know, metaverse space and allow other people to bring in their work as well. And uh, that's pretty awesome. It's been very useful for events. And in that way, it's similar to Superworld. Spatial does not do land sales. Superworld does. Yeah. One of the guests that we had on the show, Mitch Jackson, who's an attorney, he bought one of these luxury apartments, quote unquote, these penthouse apartments, right? That are okay. built by Spatial. And you you pop in there and then you get your character and then you can kind of wander around his suite. And in there, he's got traditional Web 2 stuff. Like he's got a copy of the video interview that we did up on the wall, you know? Oh, wow. And he's got other kind of things that you can roam around in this space, which I think is really fascinating. So. You know, one of the things I want to ask you is this stuff sounds really fascinating. And there's probably some people listening right now that are artistic or creative and might want to figure out how to like hone their skills to create in the metaverse, because it sounds like if you are creative, you could do some really exciting things. How do we go about like learning skills for creating inside the metaverse? Lots of ways to go about it. If you are already a creator and you want to know how to transition what you're doing now, I would say. The best place to go is to find someone who is creating the work that you want to be creating or something similar. If you're a video editor, if you're a 3D designer, uh, you know, stick to the, the vertical that you're in. You'll be able to find people who have handled the exact uh, hurdles that you're, you're going to be looking into. Some of those hurdles might be, you know, how do I get my artwork into a 3D format? using programs like Blender, Maya, Touch Designer. Those are some of the uh, easy to use 3D programs that will allow you to work with an asset. Some of the more complicated ones are Unity and Unreal Engine. You might want to look into Scandi.io. That is a mobile app that will allow you to scan tiny objects or large objects um, and put them into 3D. Oh, real quick, is it is it S C A N D dot I O? I think it is S C A N D Y. Okay, Candy with an S on the front. Of it. Okay, cool, cool. So that's Scan D dot I O. That sounds really cool. So that you could take like uh, I've got a can of cola here. I I could scan this thing, and it would somehow create a virtual equivalent of it that I could pour it into some sort of system. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You you definitely can. And they're not the only one. There are a lot of groups like that. I, I enjoy Scandi, though. So, yeah, if you're an asset creator, uh, start with those those areas. If you're a traditional entertainment creator and you're curious about it, you can do a lot with video. You can put videos in 3D. You can start shooting on green screen. And a lot of people are going that route. So you'll be able to monetize your traditional you know workflow for people who are trying to do the back end into 3D. Uh, we're still getting asked do that a decent amount. So don't, uh, you know, don't freak out. You don't have to buy new hardware recording equipment. If you are looking into the recording systems, you're going to be recording either body movements, motion capture, faces, uh, facial recording systems, still lots of audio. So the entertainment and production is uh, still a good way to get in for creators as well. Motion capture suits and optical systems are quite expensive. The cheaper motion capture suits you're going to find 
are going to be between 2,500 if they're used on up to 17 grand plus some if you need systems and some things like that. Now, I've got a question on this. Are there entities around the world that, you know how like with musicians, they can go to a studio instead of having to buy all the equipment and they can lease the studio out for a day. Is there studios essentially that do what we're talking about so you don't have to buy all the equipment? You know how YouTube has their creator studios and stuff. I mean, is this, I know you're smiling and this might be a softball, (laughs) but talk to me. (laughs) Yes, there are. And we are one of them, (laughs) mobile motion mocap. So uh, to kind of give an explanation, yes, we service the larger production services and there are groups that are aiming to facilitate individual creators. To give an example of each, we have a green screen wall, we have an LED wall, we have a photogrammetry studio, that means pictures being taken from all the way around you. And we have volumetric, which is video being taken from all the way around you. From that, you can create something like bullet time with the matrix. You can slow things down and you can uh, take the way that somebody actually looks and you can move their body around in real life. So for groups that have any experience that they want to create in the metaverse, we facilitate large productions in that way. There are other groups facilitating small scale individual creators by maybe say providing a single motion capture suit rental. That is something we don't do, uh, but we can connect you with someone who does if you're curious. They may also provide you with just a green screen booth. There are organizations now in small businesses uh, maybe renting out a small warehouse and splitting that warehouse into 16 different rooms that each have a mic and a green screen. And they say, you know, have fun. It's $40 an hour and we'll see you in three hours. That's exactly like the music studio model, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. What do you call these places? Like if someone was to search for these, what's the phrase? How how are they referred to in the industry? Geez, I actually saw this last week. I, I, I laughed at it like VTuber ships or something. But no, I meant in general, not not necessarily what you just referred to, but if you're seeking out a studio, like, do they call them studios? Do they call them VR studios? I mean, what, what's the phrase that somebody would search for to find a company like yours? Do you understand where I'm going with that? Okay, gotcha. To find a company like mine, you would look at virtual production. Virtual production is becoming the umbrella term for all of the different entertainments that go into the virtual world. Truthfully, there's VR, there's AR, so there's Uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. Then there's going to be MR, which is mixed reality. XR, MR and XR should be the same thing. Some people say they're different. And from there, it just boils down into wherever the information is being presented. So virtual production is how you would find the larger studios. And then for the smaller groups, I think they would still be trying to access creators. So you might look towards VTubers, VTubing studios, or uh, virtual studios. Those are the two places I would start. Fascinating. Fury, also known as Philip Fury, uh, or Philip Fury Wainwright. I would love for you to tell people how they can reach out to you. Um, Do you have a preferred social platform? Uh, What website do you want to send them to? People want to connect with you because I think we've opened up a fascinating can of worms and some people are going to want to reach out to you for sure. (laughs) It is a can of worms. It is a can of worms. If you would like to send me a direct message, reach out to nftlive.network at gmail.com or you can find me at LinkedIn just by searching Philip Fury. Philip with two L's, Fury with one R, and I will respond there as well. You can also see a little bit more about my professional background 
And for the wild performance things that I've done, video games, stunts, just performances, whatever it is, Instagram at furious.moves. Philip Fury, thank you so much for answering all my questions and sharing your wisdom with us. We're better because of it. <laughs> that's exactly, that's the best thing to hear after a talk. Well, thanks so much for having me. I have enjoyed yapping my flaps and I really enjoy helping people as well. So thank you. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C35. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.